Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube for another edition of The Snap. I'm Sydney Jones, your host, and unfortunately, I am without my trusty sidekick, Alexis Perry, this week as she is working on this month's Broncos Connected show that will air on January 23rd. So make sure to check that out. That'll be on Channel 20 and the Broncos YouTube at 6.30 p.m. But today I have a really exciting show planned for you all. The Broncos officially announced on Wednesday that George Payton is the team's new general manager. Payton is now the 15th top personnel executive in Broncos history. He was previously the Vikings vice president of player personnel and assistant general manager, and he spent the last 14 seasons in Minnesota. So joining me on the snap today to discuss Peyton's career and the skill sets he will bring to Denver is ESPN's NFL Nation reporter for the Minnesota Vikings, Courtney Cronin. Courtney, you've covered the Vikings for a couple years now. So for Broncos fans who might not know, what type of guy is George Payton? That's the funny question, Sydney, because I've had a lot of people um, reach out to me during the GM search for a number of different teams where Peyton's name came up as a candidate. And the one thing people will always come to me asking just because I cover this team is, how come I can't find a single article, profile, any sort of information about George Payton? You can't find the tell-all story about his come up from his days, uh, you know, coming through as a college football player to working in the NFL in a number of different roles for the Bears and the, and the Miami Dolphins and the Minnesota Vikings. And, and I think that that's kind of the mystery and the intrigue around him is that he's not somebody who has ever really sought after the spotlight. Um, and he's not somebody that, you know, is one of these big talkers. I mean, sometimes you have like really big personalities in the football world, especially general managers. And George, for so long, has been in this assistant general manager role where, in a way, he can very easily blend into the background, but he is very much a part of the muscle and the brains behind the entire football evaluation process. Uh, that the Vikings have built here. I mean, he was in Minnesota for 14 years, a well-respected talent evaluator. I remember speaking with someone who had worked alongside him um, a number of years ago. And they were, I was just asking, because I was curious about the same thing. I mean, I this is, this is my fourth season. I just wrapped up my fourth season covering the Minnesota Vikings. And George is one of those people that you'll see off at practice, but he's not um, you know, he's just not a very showy guy. He's, you know, he goes yeah. straight from the practice field straight up to his office and he's not somebody who's going to stop and, um, you know, rub elbows and all of that. I mean, he is a true football guy. So I asked somebody once, you know, what can you tell me about him that would kind of give me, you know, paint the picture of who this guy is. And they said, you know, that he is one of the best when he used to do advanced scouting, um, you know, for opponents, he is one of the best that this person I spoke with had ever been around uh, of seeing the details, the preparation, the in-game stuff that, um, you know, that's years of experience and years of hard work all coming into one. So I think what the Denver Broncos fan base and what this team is getting is somebody who a has been incredibly choosy throughout, um, you know, this process. I mean, as we know, this isn't the first general manager job that he's been offered, but he's been very patient, which I think for a team that has a roster like the Broncos, they're coming off of three really good drafts and a team that is pointed in the right direction, just in terms of the infrastructure that it has and what it can add to it. You've got somebody who 
you know, has been waiting his turn and has been ready to, he's had a plan this whole time. He's been building it. And now he finally gets to, you know, put that into action. That's an exciting thing to see because this is just, this isn't somebody who's jumped at every interview that's been offered to him. And there've been many that he has not taken for one reason or another. And clearly there's something different about this that, you know, appealed to him from the very start. Yeah, Courtney, you mentioned it. He spent the past 14 seasons with the Vikings, including the last nine of those as the team's assistant GM. Do you think it was just Denver that was the right fit? Or why do you think now was the right time for him to make the next step in his career? Yeah, I, I get that question because I remember last year, literally that last year at this time, I was at the Senior Bowl and we were on George watch. Is he going to take the job, the GM job and join Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland? And I remember the Wednesday I was leaving Mobile and it was George's interview. Uh, he had wrapped up his interview out there in Cleveland, an in-person interview. And it's sometimes a telling sign if the person goes home without taking the offer. And I remember that day thinking, okay, and just speaking with people around me that, that know him that well, that something just wasn't the right fit, even though it would have been a perfect opportunity going with a young head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who, you know, if George has been here 14 years, Kevin was with the Vikings for, you know, about 14 years too. So they had worked together for a very long time. It would have been a really good fit, but there was something missing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that George, you know, he's always been very patient in his approach about which jobs he's willing to even entertain the thought of. And he came really close to that one. I think, you know, when he pulled his name out uh, a couple of days later and Andrew Barry ended up becoming the GM of the, of the Browns, I was, you know, not surprised, but I was also thinking to myself, it's only a matter of time that he, t- that he finds the right one. And I think there's a lot of things that appeal about Denver. Like I mentioned, Um, it's a young roster, but it's a talented roster and it's a roster that has a high ceiling. So you're not walking into a situation where you have to blow everything up from the start and and kind of from what I had heard, that wasn't George's pitch to ownership, um, or to any of the higher ups. And he has tremendous respect for John Elway, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the, the job that, you know, the, the prestige and all of that, you know, with Elway around the franchise that, you know, George clearly came in with a plan that wasn't, you know, so radical that it was going to be blow everything up. It's, you know, we like what we had, we like what you guys have add to it in certain pieces. Um, and that's going to be how they carry on the success because, you know, for a team like Denver, it's a storied franchise. It's not a team that's constantly in a state of rebuild. They've won Super Bowls there. I think the expectation is that you have a team that like the Vikings in a lot of respect, Uh, have owners who are willing to spend on free agents, have, you know, facilities that are really, really impressive. Um, You know, you're in a very competitive uh, division in the AFC West. And there's kind of this opportunity now with a six-year deal that he has that, you know, no matter what, he's going to have the time to field the product that he wants to and that he's been, you know, clearly in the process of trying to build on his own and, and was able to strike when the opportunity arose for him. You touched on it a little bit, but what can you say about Peyton's skill set? What qualities or strengths do you think that he'll bring to this general manager role here? Well, I know on the pro side, um, when you talk about like college scouting and pro scouting, I mean, that's, you know, certainly his forte. Some, you know, some general managers will leave it up to the assistant GM to kind of handle like one or the other. And I know on the pro side, he is a very well-respected, um, you know, mind, especially with how you construct a roster, what you're able to do, 
you know, with the product that you have, being really aggressive in free agency, all of those things um, and building from there. So, you know, the good, the good thing I think is when you have somebody like George, who in a way, I mean, it's, it's a huge jump to go from assistant general manager to general manager, and you can have all these ideas and you can fail at it. But I think the one thing is with him as a talent evaluator from everyone I've spoken with is that there's not going to be any sort of knee jerk reaction to things. And you'll talk to certain people in Minnesota who say that, you know, he is the muscle bar none behind their, you know, all the things that they're able to do. And certainly Rick Spielman pulls off these draft day trades and, you know, it's pretty amazing. Both Rick Spielman, Rob Brzezinski, who is, uh, you know, the director, their uh, director of football operations and, uh, you know, cap salary cap guy, well-regarded uh, throughout the NFL and George Payton, they've all worked together for decades. They've known each other, for, you know, for two 20 plus years. I mean, they had a good thing going here in Minnesota. And I think that when you take a look at, you know, what that means, um, you know, going forward, that's going to be a loss for Minnesota, but certainly a gain for Denver. Um, you know, because George is bringing with a lot of trial and error, a lot of expert expertise and a lot of knowledge about what to do and what not to do as you build a team in free agency and you build one throughout the draft. Cause the Vikings have been, you know, a team that wants to have homegrown players. They want to build through the draft. They, you know, he's for the last 14 years, a lot of those draft classes, I mean, certainly George's fingerprints are all over them. Yeah, George said in his opening statement with the Broncos that this team is a sleeping giant and that he'll be aggressive, but obviously not reckless in adding talent to the roster, kind of like you mentioned. What can you say about his aggressiveness or philosophy during his time with the Vikings? Sure. I think a lot of that was in lockstep with, you know, what Rick Spielman wanted to do, you know, especially the last few years, because you think about what the Vikings biggest free agent acquisition has been in the last, you know, couple seasons, it's Kirk Cousins. I mean, in 2018, they had a move to make uh, at quarterback and, you know, that is at least right now, three years in, that's their franchise guy. Now, will that pan out, um, you know, and be a long-term thing? I think only time will tell with that, but I think it shows you that someone like George, who from the talent evaluator perspective is not afraid to go out and get, go after the big free, big, big name free agents. Um, sometimes it always, I mean, it always comes down to money. It comes down to finances, but you know, under his direction, there've been several holes in this roster that they've been able to not only just fill through the draft, because sometimes it takes years, but to be able to get a quicker fix through finding um, you know, a free agent here and there to come in and, and fill that hole. So, um, you know, as, as far as it goes with like the quarterback position, because every general manager wants to get it right. Um, and that's sometimes the thing that defines people by their careers. So I do wonder, um, you know, with, with Drew Locke and kind of where he's at in his development, having a general manager who is as aggressive, um, but is also as smart and patient, like he's not going to make any knee jerk reactions to, you know, adding around, uh, you know, pieces on the offense. I mean, there are already several, you know, really talented pieces when you think about the weapons that Locke has that I think he's in good hands with someone like George Payton, just knowing that he has the time in order to build this thing. But he also knows that he's in arguably one of the most competitive uh, divisions in, in football. I'm excited. I mean, I covered the AFC West uh, in 2016. So I'm excited to see, you know, that group uh, of teams be really competitive and hopefully become
become one of the more competitive divisions again in the NFL. Well, Courtney, I can't thank you enough for sharing your insight on George Payton and what he did in Minnesota. I know Broncos fans will certainly appreciate it, but before you go, we want to know more about you and your career. As we all know here on the snap that highlighting women's impact in and around the NFL is one of our main goals. So can you just start by telling me about your role as an NFL nation reporter? What does your day-to-day look like? Sure. So I got hired uh, by ESPN in August of 2017 to cover the Vikings. I was out in the Bay Area covering the Raiders, Warriors, 49ers, kind of just a mix of everything for a newspaper. Um, And so this was the first time I'd had a chance to truly sink my teeth into one team and one beat and come to the same place every single day, learn everybody in the building, everybody on the roster, coaching staff, the whole thing. So my job is is really an all-encompassing one in covering the Vikings from, you know, a multifaceted approach. I write, I do a podcast. I, you know, host uh, national radio on ESPN radio. That's not just related to the Vikings. Certainly. I mean, there's, it's, you know, a multitude of topics, but it gives me a chance to kind of expand my NFL footprint um, because the NFL is always relevant, no matter what time of year it is. And uh, I also get to do, you know, some television with ESPN as well from NFL live to sports center. Um, you know, we've had some really cool opportunities with this team being as relevant as they are, um, even in down years where, you know, people are, are constantly interested in them. So it's a lot all in one. I'm very excited that it's the off season so I can kind of refocus and figure out, um, you know, kind of get back to the basics and stuff and get Breathe back a to bit. some, yeah, breathe a little bit, some football education, some, you know, other personal, you know, professional development stuff that I'm trying to do this, this off season. And, and we certainly have time because we're all working from home. Um, but yeah, I mean, this year was definitely a challenging one because we were all covering everything re- effectively remotely. I mean, all the availability, you know, when it got cold out, we stopped going to the building for practice. Um, so it's, it's been tough, I think, but you know, I'm not the only one in that everybody I've spoken with or in, in friends that I know in this business have, we've all dealt with our fair share of challenges this year of how to cover our team the way that we used to years before. Yeah, it has definitely been a challenging season. I actually started in this role in April, so I don't even know what a normal season <laughs> looks yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, maybe not this season, but overall, as you've been working with ESPN, what has been your favorite part about the role that you're currently in? You know, I love the fact that there's one of me in every city. Um, we call it the power of 32, which sounds like a cliche, <laughs> but it really honestly means a lot because if I'm working on a story, for example, this George Payton story. Um, technically, now it's a Denver Broncos story because he's leaving the Vikings and he's becoming the general manager of the Denver Broncos. So while the story that I'm telling here of what do they lose in George Payton, how do you fill that void? Would anybody else potentially go? All that. It's a bigger story for the Denver Broncos getting a new GM after John Elway decides that he wants to move into a different role this part of his career. But that allows me and my colleague, Jeff Legwald, who, I mean, is an, you know, a vast institute, like institute of knowledge. Um, it's an institution. I mean, he's you know, so well-respected. And the fact that I get to work with somebody like that on bigger projects and you know, telling the whole story of how this whole thing went down, that to me like, really signifies the power of 32, where I don't know if I would have that if I worked somewhere else where you kind of feel like you work in a silo. Like, 
There's 32 of us though, that we all get a chance to interact with each other, to tell bigger stories, um, use the resources that we have, the, um, the knowledge base, you know, I think all that stuff is really important where you have a bunch of reporters kind of all working towards the same goal. And I think you can tell better stories when people collaborate. Yeah, it's funny you say that because being a team reporter, we actually have something similar. We have a group message of all the other female team reporters around the league. So it's a really great way to network, but also make friends in the industry too, like you mentioned. Now, Courtney, can you start from the beginning of your career? Maybe walk us through the path you took to get to where you are today. Yeah, so I went to Indiana University for my undergrad um, class of 2012. I thought I was going to go the local TV route in sports. Um, that didn't end up happening for me. I sent a bunch of resumes out. No one ever really got back to me. And coming out of college, I took a postgrad internship in digital communications at the NCAA. And I, I will constantly tell, um, you know, outgoing seniors or people just about to go graduate from college who aren't sure what they should do that if that opportunity is available to you don't be afraid to take it like just because it has the word internship attached to it I mean ask anybody who works in the NFL most times you'll be 24 25 26 still in an internship capacity because that's just the right that you have to take to get into the business before you technically have full-time status and you know for me working at the NCAA it made me a better storyteller because I had access to different forms of storytelling that would eventually help me when I moved down to Mississippi in 2013 to work at the Clarion Ledger um, which is statewide newspaper I was doing a lot of video eventually transitioned into a writing role but just covering everything from like preps to recruiting to SEC football and baseball. And, and then from there went out to the Bay area to work at the San Jose Mercury news doing just literally everything. I mean, it was, you know, during the fall, it's, it's Raiders and 49ers during the spring it's in a winter into spring it's, it's the NBA. And obviously that was a team at the time that was constantly in the finals. So I always knew I'd be working to, through June in um, some spring training, some baseball. And then I got that call to come to ESPN in August of 2017. And I couldn't turn it down because it was, to me, it was a once in a lifetime, you have to make this jump for the, for the sake of your career type move. So I've lived a lot of places. I've covered a lot of things. Um, to me, the NFL is probably the best of all worlds just because a, it's a year-round schedule. It is always relevant. There's always something going on. I mean, it's January 13th and, you know, the season technically for me is over, but it's not because off season can be just as busy, sometimes even more busy uh, than, you know, regular week in the middle of your season. So I fell in love with just kind of like the way that it works. I love football. It's always been my favorite sport. And I think that I found like the perfect job at ESPN because, it, they gave me an opportunity to not be one dimensional um, while covering one team, to be able to tap into a lot of different things that I wanted to do. Um, and I'm really, really thankful for that opportunity. And along that path, Courtney, were there any challenges you faced? And if so, how did you overcome them? I think the tough thing, kind of like my own George Payton story is I, I had some offers along the way that they felt right at the time but there was always something holding me back. And I remember specifically, I was going to take a job um, to cover recruiting on a Southeast regional basis when I was uh, you know, getting ready to leave the Clarion Ledger in the 
winter of 2015. And I just remember something didn't feel right about it. And it was one of those gut check moments where you tell yourself, if your body's reacting a certain way, listen to it. Um, if your heart doesn't feel like this is the right move, it's okay to say no. And it's okay to pass up an opportunity um, and not, you know, and not feel guilty about it and know that the next one will come along. Like I, I will counsel friends through this because they've counseled me through it all the time when should I take the opportunity? Should I not take it? Should I, you know, sit on this? What if something else doesn't come? You know, your hard work and putting together stuff that will, you know, make your resume shine uh, in a way that others that stands apart from others. Like if you keep doing that, the, the offers will come. And I think, you know, for me coming to ESPN, I remember I kind of had this, you know, come to Jesus moment with myself thinking, I need to take this now because a job like this at a place like this is not going to be open. It just doesn't come around that often. So I thought that was really important that I did that. And of course, you know, for me, I'm comfortable saying it was the best career decision I've ever made. Like you work to get to these places. Um, but that came with a lot of questioning yourself, a lot of, um, you know, wondering throughout the years, did I make the right, you know, move a lot of instances of imposter syndrome we all deal with it as women in sports journalism I mean women in this industry period but specifically a field that's so dominated by men and just wondering do I belong here and I think just sticking around like you know half of the battle is showing up every day and being a present you know being present in the room and, and just doing your best putting in whatever effort you can you know effort that day do that like not every day has to be perfect but stacking good days on top of each other, you know, in your career, you will eventually walk away with something that you're really proud of and potentially help you get a better opportunity. All right, Courtney, last question for you. This is one of my favorite questions to ask. Now, out of everything you've ever covered in your career, you know, any event, any game, what has been your favorite and why? Man, um, Certainly the Minneapolis miracle was, you know, that's the one I'm always asked about. That was my first year on the beat. And I just felt like, you know, of course this happens. Like I got here five minutes ago and of course <laughs> the season ends this or the season's, you know, culminating or crescendoing in that way. I mean, that was just such a iconic moment, um, you know, to be there, to witness that, uh, to write about it, to take it all in uh, and try to, you know, write out what I was feeling and what the whole, what everything around me was feeling. Um, so that's definitely at the top. I mean, I've covered, you know, NBA finals, Stanley cup finals. Um, I've covered you know, a lot of playoff baseball games. I mean, this is going to sound so cliche, but like some of my favorite memories were packed high school gyms in Mississippi covering, you know, mm -hmm. basketball during sectionals or during regionals and the state tournament, like, those are the memories, you know, I was fortunate. I got to cover the Warriors during their historic 73 and nine run. That was the year that they lost in the finals. I was there every step of the way. Um, and I got to cover the year they bounced back after they got Kevin Durant and breezed through, um, you know, that season and won, you know, won the championship, but like nothing compares to me at least in terms of what means the most in my career, the people that you still talk to, the people who, you know, helped form you into a journalist, 
um, than some of those preps events that I, that I did. And I I'll always tell people this because nobody's path is the same and there's no right way to get into this business. Like some people are fortunate enough to, um, you know, start out, you know, covering the NFL. Mm-hmm. Some people like me covered, you know, high school football in press boxes that didn't have electricity and you had to keep your own stats. <laughs> like I just read, um, you know, the, the commencement speech that Jesmyn Ward, who's one of my favorite authors, gave to, you know, students at Tulane in 2018. She actually turned it into a book. Um, and she talked about, you know, what really struck me from that was kind of the thing that we all kind of grapple with in this industry that, you know, you may achieve success when you're 20 and that's great. You are talented. Congratulations. Keep going. And somebody may not achieve their version of success till they're 35 or 40 or even 45. And then they, that's great for them. They keep going. So we all kind of are on this at our own time frame. Um, and for me in my career, like I would not be at this level. I wouldn't know my hand from my foot if I didn't have that experience in Mississippi, covering preps, driving all around the state, learning a completely foreign culture that, you know, I'm from the Midwest. Like I had no idea what it was like in the deep South and just, you know, beyond um, sports, just kind of like culturally, racially, um, economically, socioeconomically, educationally, like what that all meant. To me, that's what made me, a journalist. And I'm really, really happy with my path because it's unique to me, but it made me who I am. And I think I appreciate the job that I'm afforded to do. It's a privilege to get to do this job. Um, and I don't think I would be able to a appreciate it and B probably be at the level that I'm at right now, had it not been for my time, you know, you know, really cutting my teeth by doing it at like the, essentially the lowest level with high school sports. Well, Courtney, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on this nap today. Really appreciate you and all your insight. And make sure to give her a follow on Twitter, guys. Her handle is at Courtney R. Cronin. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, that'll do it for this episode of The Snap. Thanks so much to everyone who tuned in and be on the lookout for another episode in a couple of weeks. 